What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. You know what time it is. Marathon matchups edition. Buckle your seatbelts. Grab that cup of coffee, whatever you got to do. This is my second cup of the day because, well, second show, we're going to be going on three hours. Not this show specifically. I will. There you go. Be going on three hours uh, by the time this one is done. Horse in the voice, a little raspy, but going to happen and we got 11 good games well 11 games i should say to talk about <laughs> happy to have all of you guys with us as always i'm dave lockran at lafayette underscore d on the twitters hit me up if you haven't done so yet for the podcast listeners it's l-o-u-g-h-y underscore d and joining me as always each and every thursday matt savoka at draftaholic i assume you're all competent enough to spell that one on your own what's good brother Hey, so happy to be here, feeling good, an exciting 11-game slate. A lot of divisional matchups means things can get kind of weird. Really excited to dig in. And dig in we will. But first, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It helps us immensely here combat the YouTube overlords. They're coming for us, Matt. They're coming for our hat. I heard when we hit 70,000, it's just going to be a shit show. But we're almost there as well, so subscribe. 67,900 Help us feed the algorithm. Continue to put out the best free content on the interwebs when it comes to DFS. And as I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. If you're if you're busy, maybe you got a family life, right? I know it's tough to, to handle. You got a, a, a demanding career, whatever it is. I don't know, right? Or you just don't want to spend every day watching DFS stuff, which I know many of you do enjoy that, and we like talking about it. This is the only thing you need right here. We get we plow through every game in depth into the weeds for every position, every spot for every team to set you up beautifully going into Sunday where it all culminates with a four and a half hour live stream taking you up to kickoff. So, Matt, uh, I'm done talking. Let's uh, well, for now, let's kick <laughs> for now. it off. Yeah, for now, the, the 1 p.m. games, not a lot of great totals on these. There's some good spots, but not a lot of great totals. We'll kick it off with the highest total on the 1 p.m.s. We'll work our way down, and then we'll go highest totals for the 4 p.m.s and work our way down. That was Matt uh, Matt's idea, and it works pretty well. Dallas and Washington to start this one. 48-point total. Dallas laying four points on the road. They've been an enigma this season. Like, sometimes the offense looks unstoppable. Sometimes they look like they can't move the football. And then the defense is more of this boomer bust hey, we'll get a bunch of picks. We might bring one back to the house, but then we'll also give up five big plays in a half. Yeah, and it kind of works out nicely in that sense because Dallas's offense is capable of putting up these huge ceiling performances. We know that it hasn't always been that way in every single week, but we should come to expect that, especially with the injury-prone nature of this receiving core, at least this year. I still think that there's huge shootout potential in this game. And honestly, I think that Washington has a better shot here than most people expect. The The thing I'm noticing as well is that Dallas's defense, like you said, they're reliant on big plays. You can't always predict those things. You can't always predict turnovers. And they've been excellent in that regard. They're fifth in defensive EPA per play. That's the advanced metric I like to look at. But if you look at schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, they're only so-so. They're middle of the road, right around league average. So I think there's some solid shootout potential here. I like uh, both sides of the ball on offense, to be honest. 
Our boy Ahmed Tulsa dog said, if you sat on the toilet the entire marathon show, you'd have to get both legs amputated afterwards. Yeah, you'd have a concussion, too, because you'd go to stand up. You'd go straight through the closest wall. I mean, that's just the way it is. But Matt, two hours on that. smartphones, smartphones have brought on the advent of way too much time in the bathroom. Am I right? There is there is somebody out there in the audience who has definitely killed two hours <laughs> on the clock. You think so? Mostly sitting on the toilet. Maybe not two full hours, but like maybe an minutes, hour, but close. Yeah. Maybe an hour. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that you've done this before. Like it, the legs start to tingle at one point. Not not this show, obviously, but if you did this from the bathroom, it'd be odd. But it, indeed, it would. <laughs> but yeah, we we all have our our flaws, right? Yeah. 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 Wait till and you have a wait till you have a wife and kid. You'll be in there all day if you can. Sorry, honey. Don't feel great. <laughs> be out shortly. <laughs> let me know when she's asleep. Let me know when the baby's asleep. But I, I think with Dallas, the one thing that is odd to me, and he, he might play, I don't know, but Tony Pollard popped up on the injury report. This is not a guy that has been, you know, routinely skipping practices. If he does sit. And, and I'm just throwing this out. If Tony probably does happen to sit, you have to start looking at Zeke, at least in some capacity. I don't want to get to Zeke if Pollard's active. And from an efficiency standpoint, it's only going downhill for Ezekiel Elliott recently. He's averaged 3.6 or fewer yards per attempt over his last four games, Matt. That's concerning to me. This backfield scares me. Amari Cooper scares me, but he's getting no ownership. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is the clear best option from this team maybe followed by Dalton Schultz at a bad tight end position. Yeah, I mean, you have to start considering Ezekiel Elliott simply because of volume. We just like favorite running backs, and if they're if he's going to get a ton of volume in a positive game script, I suppose he's playable at 7,300, the running back six in salary. Yeah, I think I'll only go there if Pollard is out. And by the way, our projections don't like Pollard compared to salary-based expectations. I mean... He's been super elusive this year, but still 6,400, the 10th highest salary running back. That makes no sense to me unless it's a large field GPP. I think I'm staying away from Pollard. So it still leads me to the passing game. Unfortunately, we're seeing this situation for both Lamb and Cooper. They're priced up. Lamb is the fourth highest salary wide receiver on DraftKings, 7,200. I mean, that's that's really steep, even if the Washington defense has been really, really below expectation. One of the bottom five teams in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. So they're not bad plays in a vacuum, just ignoring salary here. But comparing projection to salary, I think we kind of like Cooper better. And maybe even some Michael Gallup. I mean, none of these really stand out when you look at our projections page, but the spot is good enough where in tournaments, I'm certainly going to have some of this big four, uh, maybe at five if you include Pollard if he's in. Mm. Cooper's the, the tough one for me because he's just been, I, it's been a rough year for Amari Cooper. I We talked about this before the season started. You remember there was, there was rumblings of internal uh, frustration with yeah. Amari over like, well, you know, he plays, but he's always banged up. You, we talked, remember, we talked, there were reports mm -hmm. on this. N nothing was necessarily confirmed, but it was worth discussing. And now you have it here. It's like, yeah, he, he's playing. Um, but in COVID, I'm not going to hold it against him. You, you could, 
I'm not going to get into vaccination status. I'm saying it's not an injury. You know what I mean? It's not an injury, but he has played banged up this year. And uh, he has the craziest thing. Do you know how many double digit target games he has since week one? How many is it? One. Half a dozen. Wow. That's, one. that's ridiculous. Two, four, five. So he's five. getting there only on efficiency. Wow. Yeah. Two, four, five, then 13, eight, six, three, four, five. That is not good at all. So you have to hope that you get one of these games and it will happen where Dak just decides that he wants to lock on to one of these players. But more times than not, he spreads the ball around. Even last week, we saw Noah Brown get three targets in the first quarter. So these guys, to me, are secondary options. And it's a good matchup against Washington secondary. They do look, Washington secondary looks better than they have. But yeah, this, Matt, is, there's their secondary options. Uh, I would go definitely number one, C.D. Lamb. But Amari is a is like a spray and play type guy in tournaments for me. Yeah, maybe Dalton Schultz ultimately looks like the best way to get access to this Dallas so. offense at fifty four hundred. He's the lowest salary option, and he is not last on the totem pole. So I think you're getting a value there. His projection is right in line with salary, and his expected fantasy points is 10th among tight ends. I think it could be uh, slightly better than that. That's over the last six weeks. Still, nine expected DraftKings fantasy points for a tight end is nothing to scoff at. We just don't have that many options that can get there. So in a positive game script, I like that option. CD Lamb is obviously the one that can break the slate with a 30-point score, the most likely to at least. Washington's kind of interesting too, right? Terry McLaurin, his price has come down from where it was. He there was he was like 7,600 at one point, which was up there with some of the elite consistent guys. He's elite in the sense that his ceiling is is legitimately as good as anybody. We've seen that this season. Maybe not as any, not Tyreek Hill, right? Not Cooper Cup, but that 30 plus fantasy point ceiling is absolutely there. But with Taylor Heineke and just an overall kind of anemic passing games on a lot of weeks, it's it's tough to trust him in cash. In tournaments, I think he's fine. And then Antonio Gibson, Matt, I, the volume has been insane. And J.D. McKissick still isn't practicing with that concussion and that neck. Yep, that's really what it is for me, too. Taylor, Taylor Heineke is able to create a ceiling game for Terry McLaurin. But I would like to see Terry McLaurin's salary a little bit lower. An expected fantasy point, 11.9 DraftKings. Expected fantasy points per game is wide receiver 17. Our projection, projections have him wide receiver 19. So uh, wide receiver 6 in salary, that feels steep. That feels difficult. That doesn't mean you can't play him. Doesn't mean he's not the best game stacking option here if you're doing a run back. But I still think that if you're just looking at it in a vacuum, it's pretty it's pretty tough to get to McLaurin. Gibson, I will definitely be getting to. I still don't think the salary is adjusted to the fact that McKissick is likely not to play here. We have him in the top 10 in our projections this week. And at 6K on DraftKings, I, I think that's fantastic. So does the rest of the field. He's already projecting at over 20% ownership. But I don't really care. I'm certainly going to have a ton of it. There's someone in chat with the name Laffy's alt ed teacher uh, says, remember that week, Logan Thomas was healthy. Me neither. Um, yeah. He's, he's on the IR again. And it's yeah. brutal. what he means by that is I told a story about how I got expelled, Matt, and they sent me to an alternative school yesterday. And oh, man. Well, it, it all, it all started with a 45 day suspension, but then it, Besides the point, this guy made quick work of that and 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 turned it into a, a username. I wonder who it is. I wonder if it's somebody that we know from the channel 
they just decided to change it. But uh, I appreciate the creativity, man. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else from Washington. Yeah. I, is Ricky Seals-Jones going to play? It's, fu- you know, it's funny you ask. I, I mentioned him yesterday on the ownership show. If he plays, I think he's fine. I wish he was a little bit cheaper than he is, but he'll probably play 100% of snaps if he's active and not limited. Yeah. Otherwise, it's down to John, don't call me Norman Bates. Curtis Samuel, talk about someone we're upset that isn't ever healthy. Curtis Samuel, just a completely lost season for the former thousand yard receiver when he was in Carolina. Uh, I just think you got to go with volume here. Antonio Gibson is going to get the touches and especially if McKissick is out. And then from there, everyone beyond McLaurin is a dart throw in, in DFS. So next up, we have a very interesting game, Las Vegas, Kansas city. Now I remember this one because <clears throat> the Chiefs have only been pre- playing primetime games recently. Uh, most of them awful, but this was a primetime game. And, and I remember saying, like, I-, I can't trust the Chiefs right now. You know, I, I can't do it. It's so, and I'm talking from a betting standpoint, I-, I can't back the Chiefs. And then they go out and they just lay waste to the Las Vegas Raiders, right? They absolutely trashed them. So with that in mind, I'm not taking that and saying, well, that's the same thing that's going to happen this week. But I do still like this game regardless because Drake's on the IR. Jacobs has been getting a lot of targets. I'm actually very curious to know where you stand with with, with Jacobs because he has nine, four, seven, and five targets over his last four games. He's not doing a ton with them, but PPR receptions alone are valuable. Jalen Richard's still on the COVID-19 list. Uh, they said they had a hundred percent vaccination rate, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play. And then Darren Waller's still not practicing kind of a mess in Las Vegas, but could absolutely open up some opportunities if we wanted to go there, even though Casey's defense is playing markedly better than they were earlier in the year. Yeah, they really are. And they are basically moving towards or at league average in most defensive metrics where, whereas in the beginning of the year, they were literally at the bottom in some of these efficiency metrics that we tend to look at on defense. So, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to move away from my bias of seeing the chiefs already beat this team into submission earlier in the season. It's hard for me to imagine other scenarios happening here. Of course, I know they can, but the Raiders are beat up. The Raiders really have a lot of trouble offensively moving the ball already And without Darren Waller, we can call Foster Moreau a value play all we want. But when Hunter Renfro is your best option in the passing game, you have a deficiency in the passing game. So I'm hoping that Darren Waller can play. I'm hoping that they can get a little more usage out of Deshaun Jackson. But our projections aren't really bullish on anybody here, with the exception of Hunter Renfro being about at salary-based expectations. 6,100 on DraftKings for a player who can get 10 targets, particularly when Waller is out, is nothing I'm going to scoff at, especially against a Kansas City team that still isn't stupendous defensively by any by any stretch. But I don't love the Las Vegas side here. Massive underdogs here, almost 10 points. So I don't think it's a situation you absolutely have to get to. Even Jacobs with uh, Drake out and Richard, it's not a situation like that last game we were talking about where they're they're favorites. They're huge underdogs here. So I don't need to take the volume from a 10-point underdog running back, especially when Jacobs has a history of not doing much with his targets. 
what are we doing with Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and some of these peripheral guys like Byron Pringle, who's out snapping the up Byron Macajeski said this in like July. He goes, if you're going to draft one of these guys in best ball with your last pick and, and, and look, I'm not pretending that he's had a monster season. He's like, but usually those guys never do. Because if you're going to draft one of these guys with your last pick for Kansas City or for whatever, you know, whether it was like uh, Olamide Zacchaeus or or a Pringle or this, he's like, take a shot on Pringle because I think he will surpass uh, the other receivers in this offense. And we saw that the other night. The, the, the numbers weren't great, obviously, but he played, what, 72% of snaps. Hardman played 16% of snaps. His He has fallen out of favor dramatically here. Only reason I mention that is because right now we have Pringle getting over 7% of ownership. We can get to that, but let's talk about the big boys first, Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. You can always play them in tournaments, regardless of the troubles that they've had in the middle part of the season. We know what their ceiling is. We know what they're capable of. And they have problems. There, I've seen some great, great breakdowns of just the bad habits and the mistake-prone nature of this offense that they need to work out if they want to make a long run in January or into February. But still, there are only a few wide receivers capable of scoring 40 points on a slate. And Tyreek Hill absolutely is one of them. He's still number one in our projections. And the ownership is fine. 12% is is what you would expect for a player projected at wide receiver one, but also priced up at 8,500. So I still have no problem going to the big two, Kelsey as well. He's the one who's been relatively consistent over the inconsistent weeks of the Chiefs offense. He's still seeing elite target share at the position. I believe only one game in the last five or he's seen less than eight targets, and I think it was a seven-target game. So this really comes down to Mahomes. Can he get to that level of play that we know he's capable of in the years past and even earlier in this season. But over the course of the last six or eight weeks, he's been a middling wide excuse me, quarterback two. his expected fantasy points is quarterback seven, 19.4 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. But as you would expect, he's at minus 2.3 fantasy points under expectation that's outside the top 12 quarterbacks. I mean, that just shows that he's been inefficient. I'm not moving away from them entirely in tournaments, but, you know, we still see their top stack ranking. Their value ranking is number one where they usually are. So our projections say things can still be hunky-dory, but I'm not so sure. Do you think it's a timeshare in the backfield for Daryl Williams and Clyde edwards there? They split snaps almost down the middle last game. I hate this. I hate this so much. Probably not going there unless we're talking about large field GPPs, in which case I'm just going to bet on the Chiefs doing exactly what they did last time these two teams played. I believe it was 41-14, the final score, in which case, yeah, it's possible that one of these players falls into the end zone twice and they're worth playing at their respective salaries here. If you're going to play one, I guess our projections like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but honestly, I think I would just save the salary go down to Daryl Williams, it's going to be a lower ownership play as well. I mean, you're talking about a low probability tournament play anyway. Might as well save the salary. Yeah, and and look, I, by timeshare, I don't mean that um, they're going to get the same amount of touches. Clyde Edwards-Alaire considerably out-touched Daryl Williams last game. But I mean, from week to week, it does appear that Williams is still going to be involved in this offense. 
And if he starts playing well, I have some concerns that he'll start getting more work. And he also had a couple goal line carries uh, and a touchdown or two in the inside the five when when uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was still healthy. That worries me a little bit. Uh, the truth is, at their price points, I don't think you need to get there. I still think there's plenty of of decent options out there in that high in that low six k range, even a couple in the in the five k range. That I'm fine fading this. Look, Tyreek Hill and and, and Travis Kelsey have a 51 percent combined target share in this offense. So over 50 percent of Patrick Mahomes' pass attempts are going to these two players almost every week. Okay, he threw 50 times against Vegas last time. If you're even saying, all right, maybe give him like 40 targets because that's around uh, that passes. That's around what he's averaging this year. If that's if, if you're talking about close to 40, you know, that's a combined on average 10 each and, and more for, for Tyree Kill, as a matter of fact. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy the amount of volume he has seen this year, Matt. And I, I, I guess I'm well, a little bit different. What's that? That's exactly why they always come up so highly on our top stats. Yeah. They have a high volume offense that is capable of being highly efficient that concentrates their passing game to their top two players. So when yeah. you can say, well, 20 targets between the two, I don't really care how it ends up turning out. There's always some variability there, but it's very valuable. There, This is how you know how concentrated this offense is, and it's a pass-heavy offense, Okay. They're both top 10 in the league in targets, and they're on the same team, okay? Tyree kills second in targets with 127. Kelsey's 10th with 105. You know what to do. If you want to play these guys, do it. I like Tyree kill better because I think you can always get down to, like, a George Kittle, and I'm not necessarily certain that Debo is going to be able to practice or play this week. Um, but, yeah, I, that, that's that's where I'm at here. Give me as much uh, Tyree kill as I can get. I know he's expensive, but – uh, when he has big games, he wins tournaments. And not many other players can drop 50 fantasy points like he's done this year. He had a 40 spot earlier in the season. It doesn't mean it's not there just because he hasn't done it recently. I don't want any of these. I, I don't want Pringle. I don't want Hardman. I, don't, I, I get that, like, the idea a lot of times is, well, if you're going to stack them, you can stack them, but just stack them with some of these cheaper options on top of, like, a Mahomes and Hill or Kelsey but not both because that means you don't have any salary cap left. I'm not doing that. I'd rather skinny stack Mahomes and Hill than throw in a Pringle or a Hardman and hope for two or three receptions and a touchdown on 25 yards. It just doesn't seem really valuable to me. You can do it in large field tournaments. You're tying yourself to a game that is in the second tier of Vegas totals. So often the games that shoot well above their projected Vegas totals are the ones in that second tier. So in that regard, it's solid strategy. But I agree. In a vacuum here, they're not players you have to get to. Certainly not Nicole Hardman, whose snap share continues to go down. It's just really hard with these players to know from week to week which one is going to pop. So I guess you would go with Pringle because he had the highest snap share, but it's really just spray and pray. He's the, he's the best if you look at projection compared to salary. Not one of them has a single 20 fantasy point game this season, right? I'm not saying you need 20 fantasy points, but I'm saying I, they're, they're not getting, oh, and, and I'll do you one better. Between the three of them, who have all, I believe, played every game this season, right? So that's the 36 combined games. There's one game of 15 plus fantasy points 
That was Miko Hardman with 16. So all I'm saying is if you're playing them, you're hoping for like 10 to 13 fantasy points. If you want to do that and the rest of your team blows up, I get it. I'm just saying, Matt, you're, you set the bar low. You shouldn't have high expectations. The big blow-up games for peripheral receivers or pass catchers in Kansas City has not been there all season long, and we're going into week 14. That's all. Watch, like, Demarcus Robinson have, like, an 80-yard score it, first it, play of the game now. Now that total, we said, broken it down. <laughs> totally possible. But I'm just telling you what's happened. That's all. Absolutely. You know, it's all we can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a lot of games. That's 36 games between the three of them, and they have one game above 15 fantasy points. Like, there is a pattern there especially given the target share of Kelsey and Hill. That's all I'm saying. All right. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Let's get into it. Jacksonville getting nine points on the road. No surprise here against the Titans. 43 and a half point total. I can tell you right now with relative certainty that I don't think I'm going to have much Jacksonville at all, especially given that the one guy who has been good when healthy is James Robinson and he's clearly not healthy. Yep. I agree. He's probably the most talented and we should actually take a step back here and look at this 1 PM part of this, the main slate in a macro perspective. After these two games that we've talked about the Dallas Washington game and the Las Vegas, Kansas city game, there is a massive, massive drop off in the game totals, the Vegas totals here. And now we're under 44 for the rest of these 1 PM games. So if you feel us going a little bit faster through these, that might be because these aren't necessarily priority spots. There are some things we need to touch on here. If James Robinson were healthy and this whole Urban Meyer, is he micromanaging the running back room or not situation weren't a narrative, maybe I would be more inclined to play him, especially at relatively low ownership, 6.6% ownership for a player like Robinson. That's kind of enticing. But beyond that, Goodness gracious, I am not getting to this passing game. This passing game is an absolute disaster. And I know that Trevor Lawrence is 5,100. That's QB 19 on DraftKings. He's still got a projection worse than salary-based expectations. I'm completely done with Marvin Jones. You could say it's a little bit of the age narrative where uh, wide receivers in their mid-30s, I think he's 32 or 33, they start to fall off in the second half of the season typically. But... I don't even know if I want to blame him at this point. You know, our projections are still kind of rosy on him, but I just don't know if he's going to get the target share because they can't create a game plan that makes this passing game viable for anyone week to week. So honestly, I may have a little bit of James Robinson in tournaments. His RB 17 salary is fine. I may have a little bit of James O'Shaughnessy who's still 2,900, but beyond that, I'm kind of done with this Jacksonville team. Let's just hope it's better in 2022. It can't get worse. It really they can't. Need so much more talent. They just need so much more talent. But I think a good coach could get them closer to an average team. It's possible. Like, I don't even know if DJ Shark, if he never got hurt, I don't even think it would make a difference this season. I really don't. Maybe it would. I don't think so either. Who knows? Lawrence has been bad, man. He's been bad. Really, well, really I don't bad. want to go on a huge diatribe, but I I mean, some quarterbacks, especially ones that can create outside the pocket, well above average, which Lawrence never was 
uh, projected to do that. He's, he was he's mobile in college, though, he, man. He's Everyone good enough, said... but he's not He's not Russell Wilson. He's not no, 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 no. Mahomes. Well, old um, Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, so I, I think the quarterback is a direct reflection of a coach's game plan, right? Because if the, the coach is telling the quarterback what to do and the quarterback's job is to execute that game plan, then the quarterback is a reflection of what the coach is trying to do. And so if the coach doesn't know what they're doing, which is what I believe, then then Trevor Lawrence doesn't really stand a chance unless he's able to create on his own, which he's not given a chance to do in this offense. Yep. C. Dala or Dola says, you expect a first-year coach to do a 180? No, I don't at all. Um, I actually I, I actually have more issues with Lawrence than you and, and less with the coaching, with less with Urban Meyer. I don't think he's good from what we've seen. I think the jury's still out, uh, but ultimately it's just been a, a highly disappointing season all around. And the defense has looked a little bit better. I it just, look, none of that matters right now. I, I, we can both agree that they're not a good team to target for fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, until things change dramatically and they can start moving the football, I don't really feel like getting to a team that has a 17 point implied total and no definitive. If this, if we're talking about a team with a 17 point total, okay, Matt, and let's say it's let's say it's the Jets before Michael Carter got hurt. Well, okay, well, Michael Carter and Mike White's in there. Michael Carter's getting a lot of work. Or it's Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. And because Corey Davis is on the IR, Moore might not play, but we'll get there. If it's a spot like that, you can talk me into that because either target share is very high. Or the ground game getting a lot of work. Plus, you're involved a lot in the passing game as Michael Carter was before the injury. But in a spot like this, there's just no redeeming qualities. Yeah, to to see Dallas point, if they were doing things that appeared much more rational towards moving towards a better future, like letting Lawrence throw 50 times and understand defenses better, using so Chenault call, downfield, call, call being able to change the play at the line of scrimmage more often. If Marvin Jones was getting Brandon Cooks likes targets because there's no one else in that offense, and even if they were inefficient, I would say, okay, well, this is what the Jaguars' offense is doing. They're clearly trying. Or if they were even just feeding James Robinson, who got there on volume last year, if they were doing any of that, I would I say, okay, we're on we're on the right track. But they're not doing they're not doing any of it. I mean, dude, he was giving Carlos Hyde the main carries earlier in the season too. So you're right. Like, come on. That's like flat nepotism. Hyde is 31 and happened to go to Ohio State. So, dude, I'm – I got Nolan calling me right now. On the biggest show of the week, bro. Come on. <laughs> Tennessee – and I've asked this question to everybody because I, I, I want to know where everyone stands on this. Dante Foreman coming off a 19-carry game. Right. Jeremy McNichols is back. Julio Jones is designated to return, but and he's getting in some practices. He's not activated yet. I don't know if he's going to play. AJ Brown's on the IR. They have no real semblance of a pass catching up or an aerial attack. Even if Jones returns, he might last a quarter or two. (laughs) How much work, not on the air, because I know we don't project. I I give down to Foreman like two targets, but. How much work is nine-point favorites against this Jacksonville D? Can we expect Foreman to get if the game script goes according to plan? I think he could be a 20-carry guy. It's just can he get into the end zone? 
Yeah, uh, McNichols is going to get in. He's going to get mixed in, but he's been the pass-catching back. He's kind of had a specialized role for a while now in this offense. I think Tennessee still wants to stick to their game plan where they give a running back 25 touches in a perfect world. So I think you're right. I think you could easily see 20 opportunities for Don Cheryl Hilliard, which would make his 5,300 Oh, I was talking about Foreman. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Donta Foreman. Oh, oh, okay. Foreman had 19. The, Foreman had 19 carries last game. Yeah, in a game they lost by 23. I mean that matters here. Let me. I was looking at the four week sample size. Let me see how Hilliard was used last week. See, Hilliard still played on 50 percent of snaps. Had yeah. 12 carries himself. So that's really the concern. I think both of them. I, I want to stick to my main point here, which was that both of them actually have 20 opportunity upside. But it looks like, at least from the, just this last game sample, that they are taking a hot hand approach. When you talk about a team that's a touchdown favorite and a running back that might get 15 or more opportunities, they're playable in DFS, period. Especially when yeah. they're, we're talking about players who are under 5,500 in DraftKings salary. But yeah. they're cannibalizing yeah. from each other. And, and I don't even want to belabor the point here. I just found it fascinating that last week, you're looking at a team that got annihilated, at, or sorry, two weeks ago, because they were on bye last week, got annihilated and still ran the ball 30-plus times between two running backs. So what does that mean? If you, What does that mean if Jacksonville can't move the ball? I'm with you. I still think that they want to run if they can't. I don't like that Foreman doesn't have pass-catching upside. If Foreman could get if Foreman was averaging like you know routes run on 40% or so and and like four mm-hmm. targets a game i he would be one of my favorite value plays on the entire slate at 5100 19 carries last game but uh i i don't know if that'll be the case i i like him a little bit more than everyone else though uh like that i've talked to and i i could certainly be in the wrong here so take this opinion with a grain of salt but a 19-carat game, McNichols comes back short, gets involved in the passing game, maybe a little bit of work in the run game. I think it takes mostly away from Hilliard in the run game. They both split some opportunities on third down. Uh, and Foreman could see a heavy workload. If he does, does he get the goal line carries? That's the big thing. I think he probably does. But uh, I'm going to sprinkle him in the tournaments. His ownership right now is extraordinarily low, 2%. That, that's th- the only reason I'm saying this too is because who else on this team do you like? I don't want to get to the passing game. Yeah, yeah, and just to finish your point there, Foreman did out touch Hillier inside the ten yard line, four to one. Yeah, that matters. That matters for a yep. rush heavy team. Uh, I, I think it also matters too that Julio Jones is returning to the lineup. I, I agree. If with he you. does, his yeah, if he does, good point. Uh, yes, he could get injured in one quarter. I, well, it no, I mean, be... he, the 21 the day practice window is open, but they haven't talked about activating him yet. I understand. I understand. I'm just talking about the hypothetical of gotcha, the gotcha, Tennessee gotcha. offense with Julio Jones back in there. Bottom line is they need somebody better than Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Chester Rogers. And Julio Jones, even, even with a leg injury, is probably better than that. I mean, it could just be, it could end up being one of these sad endings for Julio Jones. I really hope I'm wrong, to be honest, but we've seen receivers, especially big athletic receivers, just have trouble staying healthy into their mid-30s. And uh, I I still think if he's healthy enough to play and he's on the field, 
they are going to design plays to get him involved. I would be very surprised if he had under five targets, but it's possible. We've seen it this year, and the injury risk is still certainly there. And again, this is all if he's even able to suit up. Uh, He's a large field tournament player. I think you're right. And I think I'm not totally wrong on the run game. Let me let me throw this out there because this is what's so interesting to me about this team. They have a 26 and a half point implied total, right? So on this slate, that's the the fourth highest implied total behind the Chiefs, the Bucks, the the Chargers who are essentially tied with them, and then you have Tennessee. So a 26 and a half point implied total, Matt, and not a single player on this team is getting more than 2.9% projected ownership right now with a 26 and a half point total, nine point favorites against the Jags. If that doesn't say a contrarian leverage spot to get to uh, at similar price points to other more popular players in the same range at other positions, like I don't know what does. To me, it screams value that I'm willing to at least take a risk on if they're going to be that low on with such a high total somebody's going to have to score right? if they hit their Vegas projected total. Yeah, right. And Vegas is smarter than me when it comes to – well. So, and so look, we know how – I'm not going to get into how these lines are set and everything, but, you know, you have price discovery and the line the, – the total will eventually find that equilibrium based on where this money's coming in at. Uh, right now, we're, it's, it's later in the week at 26 and a half. That's a high total for any team. If they, like you said, maybe they just don't get close to it, but I can't play the game assuming, well, I don't think they're going to get there. Yeah. And someone mentioned in chat too, that golden Tate is likely to be activated. I had seen that he was projected to be activated after Tennessee's buy, which was in week 13. So yeah, let's see if he gets any usage. Honestly, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tate ended up with less than a 10% snap share and zero targets. And I wouldn't put it past Mike Vrabel to suddenly put in a new receiver who gets eight targets. They certainly love their short area receivers, and uh, Tate has played that in the past. No doubt. Our buddy Steven Leibowitz says, we've also seen the Titans lose to Houston and to the Jets, so there's that too. We have, but again, we've seen that happen. They're without Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and they still have a 26.5 point implied total. That says more to me than the fact that they lost to the Jets and to Houston. So I don't know, man. It's just, it's just a fascinating spot. You never see a team with that high a total, that big a favorite against that bad of a defense and that bad of a team get no ownership whatsoever. It's crazy. That's fat. It really is. It really is. It, is. it really is. All right. Um, hey, prizepicks.com or the App Store <laughs> or the Google Play Store, wherever it is, doesn't matter. They're doing things big these days. And I just found out that if you sign up at Prize Picks, use that promo code AWESOMO, you'll get up to a $100 first match deposit bonus. Now, that's not what I found out. What I found out is if you do that, Jordan, it's a link, right? We have the link for this. Get a free month of AWESOMO Plus Platinum. So maybe you were someone that was already at Yahoo. You couldn't do it because you already signed up there and t- couldn't take advantage of all those we were doing. Well, Prize Picks and we and us have partnered. Free month, Awesome Plus Platinum, everything on the site, football, basketball, hockey, MMA, PGA, UFC, you name it. The entire month, every tool on the site, ownership, player projections, top stack, boom, bust, lineup builder, 
All of it, all uh, created by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Osmo himself, and so many other brilliant guys behind the scenes that are fantastic at the game of DFS, working on these tools every day. You have premium Discord. You have the Office Hours channel in there with the pros taking your questions, jumping in there, help you out. The Fantasy Cruncher add-on if you want that. All of it entirely free. All you have to do is use the link at PrizePix, sign up, and get your free month. They'll hit you up in like 24 to 48 hours after you redeem that free month. But aside from the bonus, aside from the free month, which you should take advantage of both, it's a really awesome site. It looks good. It's super easy to use. And unlike other books where if you bet a five-leg parlay and one of them doesn't hit, you lose everything, not here. There's no juice on the over or the under. You're making lineups based on player props, just the over or the under with an insane array of different props and different sports, more than you could, some sports you probably never heard of, uh, where you could build like a five-player lineup. If you hit five of five, you 10X your, your entry. Even if you hit four or five, though, you still 2X. Hell, you make money back if you three of five. You could do a four-player uh, lineup, par, uh, sorry, power play, where you can 10X on four right. Uh, just a, a really cool spot to, to check out. And if you know multiple sports, you can mix them all in to the same lineup. Check it out. Use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, to get your first $100 deposit uh, batch bonus and your free month of AWESEMO Plus Platinum. Everything on the site. You got to do it. It's free when you sign up there. Jordan threw the link in chat. I'm assuming it's in the description below. Give me a pick, Matt. Okay, so this one is really fascinating because we all saw that crazy Monday night game in Buffalo, crazy weather, and Josh Allen and the Bills disappointed. And now they got to turn around and play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this week. Our uh, prop, uh, player props tool is showing that on Odds Shopper, the best passing yards line that you can get for Josh Allen is 287.5 pass yards on prize picks. That line is 279.5. So our expected win percentage is probably going to shoot well over 70% for the over on that line. So I think I'm going to go over 279.5 pass yards for Josh Allen. I love it. I'm going touchdowns, but I'm going receiving touchdowns. We're going Justin Jefferson to score tonight, Matt. And the guy already has a 32% target share. Take Thielen off the field, who's at almost 23%. Jefferson leads the team in red zone targets, in targets inside the five. You name it, across the board, this guy's workload and target share has been through the roof. Joe Hayden's out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, what more do I need to say here? It, it, this is a spot for Justin Jefferson to score probably twice, but I'm not going crazy. Give me the yes or the over on a half touchdown for Justin Jefferson today. I feel pretty good about that. But uh, otherwise, if you want to do something else, Jake Fromm under 169 passing yards. I know that's that's a that's 169 is low, Matt. But I, I, I think the Chargers could call this guy to like 100. I think he's going to have an awful day in L.A. Uh, I like that call a lot. I like that call a lot. I think Jefferson, dude, he's just the next – he's that next – great wide receiver it's yep. taking that next step even after a fantastic rookie year career high 185 receiving yards last week he's a beast he's phenomenal hey a lot is in flux and by the way prizepicks.com or app store google play store check that out uh using the link alvin Kamara, 
Saints are five and a half point favorites against the Jets, 43 point total. We saw again last week how bad that Jets defense is. I mean, it is, it is as bad as it possibly gets. But Kamara practiced fully. He's good. He is not on the injury report at all. That's nice to see. Had those extra days to heal up coming off of a Thursday night football game. But Mark Ingram, in an odd twist of fate, Matt, lands on the COVID-19 list. Deontay Harris is suspended for three games as well. Man, if Ingram does it, I already like Kamara coming back. If he's not on the injury list now, he's going to be a full go. I, I love him. I love him, and maybe maybe you don't. I don't know. His ownership still seems kind of low. But if Ingram doesn't play, too, I, I don't know how we don't look at Kamara and say, yep, this could be an absolute smash spot for, the, for, for one of the best players that we've seen in recent memory. Yeah, this is actually the most shocking thing that I saw when I was looking at our projections, our latest run this morning compared to salary-based expectations. I'm so much higher on Kamara than our projections are. And of course, it's Thursday when we're recording this. We could see our projections change. And I am noticing that really what it is, I'll get to the, it's, it's about the lack of trust in the passing game, specifically from Taysom Hill. That's getting us to believing that Taysom Hill is going to gobble up this rushing production himself. I get that narrative. I understand why our projections are going there. I'm just not so sure I agree. I think a 50-point game is in the range of outcomes here. Whoa. If Kamara gets a full, gets a full workload. Hold on. We've seen it before. I, We've I seen lo- it before. I love it, It's man. in the range. I, I, I love it. I, I, I'm just 50 points. It's a lot of points, and I absolutely love that call. This could be a huge game. I'm not saying I, I am not crazy enough to just the range of outcomes. 50 points. We got game. you. We got yes. you. But – it's they're playing by far the worst team i've actually been saying for most of the season that in that schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed metric they're twice as bad as the second worst team congratulations to the jets because they are now three times as bad as the second worst team they're really doing it they're really trying to be one of the worst defenses of all time and you're telling me that alvin kamara is back fully healthy has no true backup except for tony jones and his quarterback can't throw more than 15 yards because of a busted finger. It's exactly what, is what there I'm to telling dislike? you. Yeah. I mean. It's amazing. Yeah. The Jets on the get... season uh, are, are how, I had it pulled up here. I think they've allowed a truly atrocious amount of rushing touchdowns. Like worse than you would imagine. Yeah. 21 rushing touchdowns this season. Worse than the league. Worst in the league by only one because the Texans are equally as bad, but then it falls off dramatically. This this is such a bad team, such a bad. You want to hear? You want to hear something amazing? So Please. I've been talking that metric, uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. If you break it down by position, the Jets are worst in the NFL against quarterbacks, worst in the NFL against running backs, worst in the NFL against wide receivers, and worst in the NFL against tight ends. That's amazing. What met, uh, by what metric? Uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. There's a couple places that do it four for four as well as fantasypoints.com. Uh, it's it basically just contextualizes the fantasy points a team has given up to opposing offenses for the offenses that they've already played. Yep, amazing. Uh, oh, and they're allowing more than five points per game to running backs more than the next worst team. Drafting point. That's great. 
this late in the season to be allowing five plus points additional or more per game than the next worst team in the league. I, there's nothing else to say here. Now I'll say this mallet finger Hill. Uh, I'm, I think it actually might benefit Kamara. I want nothing to do with the passing game. The only it's like the Jets secondary is so bad that I'm always tempted to take some shots. But really, where do you go here? Troutman would have been the guy, but now he's been out for a few weeks on the IR. So you got Traquan Smith, Marquez Holloway, Marquez. Give me Kamara to be the guy that does it in the passing game and on the ground. I almost like if I'm Sean Payton and I'm the evil offensive genius that everyone thinks I am. Don't you like come out with like an early 2000s Oklahoma offense and just run the option and the wish, but like, don't you just like forget the passing game? If you really want to go evil scientist here, just run the crap out of the ball with Taysom and Alvin Kamara. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they, they're not out of the, the, the playoff race quite yet. They're the Yeah, no, they're not five and seven. Yeah, no, no, they're not. They're not out of it yet. Because seven teams get in. So they're going to play to win. The Jets, on the other hand, are playing to lose. And Zach Wilson looked a little bit better last game in the first half and then completely unraveled in the second half. They figured him out. But anyway, that was his best game of the season. It had to have been, right? I can't imagine he had any other better. Yeah, for sure. Better fantasy performance than that. The Corey Davis is on the IR. Elijah Moore is questionable. So we'll see what goes on with him dealing with that uh, quad injury. Then, then Tevin Coleman might not play, but I have no interest in getting to Ty Johnson against the Saints run defense. I mean, unless you want to get to Elijah Moore, I don't really, and if he plays, I don't see anything of value here. I mean, I actually think like you could just roll the dice with a player like Austin Walter who continues to see more work and there's nobody in this backfield, but that's a large field, like a millionaire maker kind of play only. If Elijah Moore is out, I think you kind of have to look at Jamison Crowder as just like a player who's going to be a hybrid, almost a a short area receiving running back, if you will, out there who could probably gobble up six to eight targets uh, just to do a, cor- a corollary to what we were talking about with the Jaguars, we are at least seeing the Jets coaching staff try to work things out with their young quarterback and their young wide receiver and Elijah Moore. They can't control injuries, but just like you said, they are still pushing the limits of Zach Wilson, seeing what they can do, and for lack of a better phrase, trying to get their offense going. So I will still take shots in large field tournaments, but just like you said, it's not appetizing. You don't need a run back option if you're leaning on the Saints here. Um, but Crowder is the one you probably want to bet on if both Davis and Moore are out. Yeah, Laffy's all-ed teacher in chat just asked about that question. Is there a viable run back if Moore sits? Do you need one? No, I'm with Matt. You definitely, you definitely do not need one. Uh, if you wanted to, yeah, it would be Crowder. But... I, I do not force, don't worry about forcing that into your lineups. They have an 18.5 implied total this week. This, this is not a team that, plus you don't need to run back. Like you don't need to do, um, you, you don't need to do skinny stacks with like a every, with every game. Like if you have Kamara right. and no quarterback, you don't have to go back with somebody else, especially if it's a running back there where you assume that, they might just try to run as much as possible. Like Matt was alluding to that takes away from everyone on the jets as well. 
if they can yeah, actually, time of possession. Just to add to that point, I'm fine with Kamara as a one-off. I'm fine with Taysom as a one-off if you, they're the only players from this game. I'm also fine with both of them as a two-off from this game. Like they're the only two you play from this game and then you game stack other, in other places. Well, Lafayette's all ed teacher. Welcome to Team Awesome, my brother. That badge looks good on you, man. Right, hit that join now below if you haven't done so or if you want to. Like I said, you don't have to. Uh, if you want to, though, you get the badges, the custom emojis. They had the free super chats each month. Get shout outs from us, all that fun stuff. And of course, priority access when it comes to questions, especially on like deeper dive and live before locks when we're up against it. But uh, welcome, man. And hey, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We're going to speed it up because we got a couple games that we don't need to spend a ton of time on. But uh, thumbs up and subscribe. We're almost at 68,000 subs. You guys are the greatest. All right, Matt, Baltimore and Cleveland. Baltimore getting two and a half on the road, 42 and a half point total. Anything you like from the Ravens? I mean, this is a crazy low total for what we could have seen. Remember the game last year? That was the wild locker room run for Lamar Jackson. But, you know, this is Remember the game last? Do you remember the last time they played each other this year? I know, I know. I'm, I'm just... Reminding no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with. I'm saying like these divisional games, especially especially in the AFC North, it's so hard to predict which way that which direction they're going to take. And honestly, that's why I always bring that up when I see a lot of divisional games on the main slate is to remind people is that we're actually worse at predicting those second time throughs, uh, those second games for teams in their own divisions because they know each other. So we we do have we do see this and we've historically tested this. We do see more variability in the projections for these players. So I am going to go to Lamar Jackson. I still think that he can have ceiling games, but it do, it does look like defenses are figuring him out. One thing I did notice is that he's checking down a ton more to Devonta Freeman, which explains why even at 5700 his projection is actually right in line with salary-based expectation. I see you making a face. It doesn't feel right to play no, I one of these running backs at all. I wasn't laughing. At you. I wasn't laughing oh. at you. I wasn't laughing at you. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, just thought- no, I was laughing at Benny Levine who said, Hill is kind of interesting naked. And then he follows it with, I would have chosen a different sentence structure in retrospect. So, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. You were talking fair, about fair. Baltimore's running backs. Yeah, I just think they're more playable than I realize because they have not been taking deep shots, particularly Mar- Marquise Brown, at, as much as they were earlier in the season. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is the premier player here. You can absolutely play him, even though he's got the fourth highest salary. His ceiling is still QB1 overall. He's first in expected DraftKings fantasy points because of that rushing upside. If you're looking at one of the pass catchers, I think Mark Andrews is my favorite. Our projections have Brown outside the top 20 while he's still wide receiver 12 in salary. Certainly not a stay away option, but just from a value perspective, Andrews looks a little better. I like Andrews this week. Bateman's target share has dwindled to nothing recently as well. Freeman's getting some work though. I'll say on the other side, uh, low total. I get it. But Baltimore's secondary is so banged up right now. Mm-hmm. 
Landry's best game of the season came when these two teams faced off against each other in a low scoring game just a couple weeks ago on Monday night football. I do actually have some interest in Jarvis Landry this week, quite a bit. As a matter of fact, he's going to play close to hundred percent of snaps. Uh, he has a 26 and a half percent target share since Odell Beckham's departure. Well, since Odell, Odell Beckham stopped playing, that's significant to me. And yes, I do believe they'll look to run the football. I don't see why they wouldn't. And their passing game has been somewhat anemic, but at the same time, you still have to throw the football and Baltimore has allowed uh, Baltimore has been a bad pass defense and now it gets worse. Marlon Humphrey to the IR down out for the year with that peck injury. That is a huge deal given that they've already lost some of their best guys in the secondary. So yeah, I like Jarvis this week. Um, and if you want to go, like, if you want to go crazy, let's say Keenan Allen's out or Mike Williams, who's a close contact to Keenan Allen is out. And everyone goes Jalen Guyton, who I, I think will be wildly overowned in the event that that occurs. I might get to some Donovan Peoples Jones. Baltimore has allowed the most pass or completions of 20 plus yards with 54, and the most pass completions of 40 plus yards with 13 already this season. That's more than one per game of 40 plus yards allowed by the Baltimore Ravens. And they play in a division that doesn't even have the greatest passing attack on most teams. So, yeah. DPJ, if you're looking for a dart throw flyer, deep balls, I think there's something there. And Baltimore is only getting worse in the secondary. So that's where I'm at with these guys. What are you doing with Cleveland, if anything? Yeah, well said here. Obviously, the loss of Marlon Humphrey after already losing a top cornerback before the season even started in Peters. This this defense is just different from a – uh, the way that we projected them to begin the season. They still have Anthony Everett, who is a top-tier cornerback, and he's capable of shutting down players. But when you don't have the depth like we're used to seeing from the Baltimore secondary, it's obviously going to shift things. They are towards the top, meaning tougher for opposing offenses in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. But they're a huge pass-funnel defense, and that was before the injury to Humphrey last week so it's really interesting here we know what cleveland wants to do offensively they want to get chubb involved they want to get hunt involved both of them are good to go this week our projections are meh on both of them because baltimore is already selling out to stop the run you said it though that leaves them vulnerable to the big plays deep so really is it baker it's on baker mayfield can he get the ball to Landry if he's open. Our projections like him compared to salary. Can he get the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones? His projections right in line with salary-based expectation. And remember, David Njoku may miss this game on the COVID list, so that makes Austin Hooper a bit more interesting as well. He's 3,400. Again, I still think that this game, especially with the super low Vegas total, doesn't fully encapsulate the shootout possibilities of this game. And the fact that you have to beat the Ravens defense with passing. I kind of like Hooper this week. Yeah, I don't hate Cleveland. It's a low total. I get it. I really don't hate Cleveland's passing game, uh, especially if, yeah, like you said, David and Joku sits as well. Atlanta and Carolina. Oh, and we have free content on the site today. If you guys are interested, some good stuff too. Single game showdown rankings for tonight's game between the Steelers and Vikings. Matt Kajewski and I just did a strategy show for that. We'll have live before lock coming up at 7.20 Eastern or 7.15. NBA ownership projections, totally free. You don't need to, to have a, a subscription or anything. You can just check it out under the NBA tab and NHL ownership projections as well. 
And if you want to get access to everything, check out all of the tools for every sport across the board. Use the promo code NFL Strategy, and that will get you an NFL Strategy Show. Sorry, all caps, all one word. Get you 25% off your first week of Awesome Mode Plus Platinum. Everything on the site when you go to awesomemode.com slash join. All right, so Atlanta and Carolina. Russell Gage, nice little 25% target share over the last three weeks. Not getting a lot of deep balls, Matt, but he is getting – he's like Jalen Waddle in the sense that he's just catching all of these passes and getting a decent amount of looks, just not doing uh, an insane amount with them. He has 25 red zone targets over his last 24 games, though, and most of those have been played with Ridley and Julio Jones in some capacity. I still don't like Atlanta's offense that much. With all that said, I still don't feel great about Atlanta's offense this week. Low total against Carolina. Break this one down for us. Yeah, I actually feel pretty strongly that Carolina can can control this game start to finish. I think Atlanta's offense is just one that isn't going to figure it out this year. They are clearly missing a top option that they were relying on, and it trickles all the way down to the production of other players. Russell Gage is out targeting Kyle Pitts of late. I mean, our projections still say that Pitts is playable at 5,500, but I'm kind of tired of going going there. Uh, the Panthers have a b- above average defense in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, so it doesn't look like anything special from a matchup perspective. I guess I could go back to Russell Gage at 5,700, but I, I just don't think it's a necessary thing. Uh, I just really don't like anyone on the side of the ball. The only player I will continue to go to is Cordero Patterson simply because of his continued efficiency. His projection is in line with salary. It's a little steep, but it's in line with salary and still 3.7 fantasy points per game over expectation over the last six weeks. And this isn't even the impressive six-week stretch for Cordero Patterson this season. So I'll go there. I probably won't end up going anywhere else. Maybe a little bit of pits here and there. Can you get the Cam Newton on the other side? And are you targeting running backs, receivers, anybody from Carolina? I can get I can say that Cam Newton is someone I'll be getting to. Not not a priority play, but Atlanta's defense is a problem. Second worst in the NFL in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, and they are a bit of a run-funnel defense, meaning they're allowing more on the ground than they are through the air, typically. So that lends itself to exactly what Cam Newton wants to do. He's really all over the place as a passer. We saw him get benched. Uh, so it, it's not a high-probability play. It's not a must-play but it's also something that I, I believe in. I would skinny stack in with DJ Moore. One thing I probably wouldn't do is double stack. I noticed that our projections are really bullish on DJ Moore compared to salary, but I don't think you could say that Cam Newton is able to support two of these wide receivers uh, in the same game here. You're hoping he gets there with his legs. Yeah, that that's where I'm at too. I think Cam at his price is actually pretty viable against Atlanta. He was so, so bad against Miami last time out. I mean, it was five of 21 pass. That's, that's as bad as it gets, but Miami's now won five straight games. They look a lot better now. They really do. Miami's defense, Mm -hmm. their pass rush, everything looks a lot better. I feel more confident getting the cam against Atlanta than I would against uh, Miami and this game's at home in Carolina. Perfectly fine to me. 
I'd stack him with, yeah, one player. Out, I, I, there's no way I'm going with two. And I know that they want to get – remember, they just they just fired Joe Brady, right? They just fired mm-hmm. their offensive coordinator. And I know they want to run the ball more, but that could be more design runs for Cam Newton for all we know too. Like, I, I don't want to get to Chuba Hubbard here. If he was cheaper, I'm cool with it. But do you think Chuba Hubbard's at a good spot, a good price point? Like, is this a good spot to get to? No, he's viable. He is for me. And I'm surprised that his projected ownership is so low right now. 3% projected ownership in a game where Carolina could absolutely control this game. And Atlanta's defense, as I said, has been a bad run funnel defense. Sure, it's hard to project how much Chuba is going to get workload-wise because of Cam Newton's rushing ability. But still, to say he's only... two and a half percent owned that makes it really easy to be something like three X the field and not even believe that strongly in Chuba Hubbard. So he's definitely someone I'll get to. All right. Seattle, Houston, Seattle has been a tough team to figure out right now. Russell Wilson since returning in four games since he's returned has not been very good. First of all. Okay. Not been very good. And last week he was better. And he completed like 30 of 37 passes, which you want to see. But it's funny because his A dot was so much lower last week than it was in the first three games since he's returned. But believe it or not, Wilson leads the league in deep ball attempts since returning in those four weeks. Tyler Lockett leads the league in deep ball targets. DK with 11. DK Metcalf is third with nine. But they just haven't been able to connect on a lot of those, which has resulted in really low floors for all of these players. But it also suggests, Matt, that there's a pretty high ceiling there if Wilson's finger starts to feel better and they're going up against the Houston uh, Texans as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. So, again, bad run game, a lot of deep attempts. Maybe Wilson's feeling better. Maybe he isn't. This seems like it has the widest range of outcomes of almost any team on the slate for me. I don't know if it has the widest range of outcomes, but it certainly has a ton of really, really good ceiling outcomes. I guess the floor is really low, too. So I'll give you that there. With Russell Wilson, I'm just looking at a player. I mean, it was an anecdotal take, obviously. I'm just saying. (laughs) You don't have the data to back it up right now? Show me the sins. (laughs) I'm saying is because of, of Wilson's just kind of erratic play, if he plays really well, they can crush this team. If he looks anything sure like can. he did against Green Bay or whoever else it was, they're in trouble. Not that they lose, but just from a DFS standpoint. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. And, and the deep shots are important. The fact that they're still trying those looks and they're trying to make it happen specifically with Lockett. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Metcalf right now, but it means that the big playability is still there. The upside is still there. He's Russell Wilson is 10th in expected fantasy points per game since he came back from his injury. The problem is he's at minus five and a half fantasy points below expectation during that time. That's disastrous. That's outside the top 20 quarterbacks on this slate alone. So if he figures it out, which the Houston defenses want to help him to do, uh, I think he could absolutely have a huge game here, but I I don't know if I'm going to just completely bet on it. I noticed that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf's projections are ahead of salary-based expectations. I noticed that if you go to Odd Shopper this week, you can look at Russell Wilson's 
passing yards prop line of 239.5. And notice that it has one of the highest expected win rates of any single player prop bet right now available on Odd Shopper. One of my favorites. And suddenly, I'm starting to really like Wilson's salary as well. At 6600 I think it doesn't fully encapsulate the types of ceiling he can really get in this spot. And now we're talking about under 5% ownership possibly for Wilson. This is the time you want to play Wilson, I think. When our projections are this bullish on all of his receivers, our odd shopper likes the individual stat-based projections, and the salary shows that uh, that it's playable, and no one's going to play it with you. That's great. I didn't fall asleep, Jordan. I uh, <laughs> I, I was text I was texting my wife back real quick, uh, but I can multitask. I heard everything you said. You could have taken. You could have been a good producer and taken me off the screen, but you just decided to fuck with me. What? Oh, you were screen sharing. Okay. Odd shopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> All right. You're right. My fault. Tough scene. Tough scene. My fault. But uh Wilson, the the okay, so everything you said of which I caught uh is is accurate. But the biggest thing too, and, and you touched on it a little bit, like Matt, this backfield, I don't even know if Collins plays, but if he does, he's been bad. Rashad Penny, yeah, okay. Adrian Peterson, I don't know why teams keep signing him. Look, man, I love the guy. Everyone loves Adrian Peterson. Uh, of course, the whole, you know, incident with the the son and hitting him with a switch. I I don't know if I like Adrian Peterson, but I like him from a DFS standpoint. Like the player, Adrian and from a fantasy right? standpoint, I don't know. Maybe he's a teammate. Maybe they're raised. Maybe he was raised differently than us, Matt. Who knows? Sometimes that's just the way people grow up. But I'm not getting into that. I told you, I'm not the arbiter of morals on this show. I just talk about football. So do you. But he has not been good at football this year. At all. Yeah, he he has not. And we don't expect a player of his age to be efficient. We need him to get rushes at the goal line. And he got them last week so that's that's good but he's still outside the top 35 running backs in our projections the only reason you would play him is because you believe that they're so they're winning so badly against houston that they don't really care about their younger more important say personnel and so they're just running adrian peterson into the ground in the fourth quarter that's certainly in the range of outcomes here but i want to bet on the passing attack And honestly, I'd probably even rather bet on the younger, more explosive rushers like Rashad Penny or Travis Homer if I'm just doing a dark throw play. If I'm betting on one of them, it's going to be Penny. There's no doubt about it. But I don't, if Collins plays, I want nothing from this backfield at all. You know, I, I would really not want anything from this backfield anyway. Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Peterson, Penny, Collins. I don't know who's going to be inactive just because they have too many backs on the roster, but like all of these guys are probably going to be healthy. And if that ends up being the case, number one, none of them are good. I still think the running game is going to struggle. Number two, I don't want to get to anything here. Uh, I'm with you on Wilson. I, I have some interest in Tyler Lockett as well. You know, Metcalf Metcalf's just been bad, man. Like, 
Woo. He's the one that I don't know what to do with him. We know that the ceiling is there, but Lockett has been getting so much of the the big play upside and the, and the deep attempts from Wilson that I'm not really sure. At least, at the very least, we saw 137 air yards from for Lockett last week, and he's had over 100 air yards in three of four games since week 10. So the the big play ability is still there. He just hasn't connected at all. One I wonder if his 12. foot's still hurting him now. Oh, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. Foot injuries are significant for wide receivers, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe he's hobbled. This is going to be, watch, man. This is going to be one of those instances where it's like DK Metcalf will get off-season surgery on his foot. Mm. I don't even know what a foot injury is. I'm just saying it's odd that it's been this big of a struggle for him. And Wilson struggled as well. I think both of them are fine. Again. High ceiling on this team, low floor. You do with that as you please. But that is the last 1 p.m. game of the slate. Wait, we should get to Houston, though. Should we? I mean, <laughs> we got to mention at least. Play like, Brandon Cooks if you want. Go ahead. That, that's all go. I got. Davis Mills has, has peppered Brandon yep. Cooks throughout the season. That's really the only thing I want to get to. The running, the running backs are dart throws at best. We like Rex Burkhead if you're going to play one of them, but you don't have to. And obviously, outside of Cooks, everyone's a dart throw. I guess if you got to go to one, maybe Nico Collins would be my guess. We have him at wide receiver 54 in projections while his uh, 3K salary is you know tied for 72nd. But goodness, Brevin Jordan at 2,500, you don't have to get there. Yeah. <sighs> I do still like Cooks, and, and you're right. I, Mills is actually better for him than Terod Taylor. You're absolutely right. Mills is not good, but Seattle's secondary is not good either. Could Cooks see 12 targets in a game like this? I think he could. I actually see Cooks as a good play this week, to be honest with you. I, I see him as a pretty, a pretty good play overall, and we've got him projected for right around 11% ownership. Totally fine with me. I want nothing else from this team though, Matt, at all. Nothing. Agreed. Agreed. He's actually right now in our uh, boom bust tool. He has a pretty solid leverage score, meaning that his chance of being in the optimal lineup cooks his chance is higher than that 11% projected ownership. Buffalo, Tampa Bay. Was this always a 4 PM game or did this get flexed? I think this was one of the weeks where one of the games got flexed. You might be right, but I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it was, but that's besides the point. Doesn't even matter. Highest total for sure on the 4 p.m. slate. Highest total on the slate for by a mile. 53 and a half points. Buffalo getting three and a half on the road. Putrid performance, but throw it away against the Patriots last week. I'm the one thing I'm not throwing away is that they knew the Patriots were going to run every single play and still couldn't slow them down. They knew Jonathan Taylor was going to run. They still couldn't slow him down. This run defense is a real issue right now. And in the passing game, they're down Tredavious white for the entire year. I think it might be time to start worrying about them, but on the same, on the same note, you got to go back to Josh Allen and the passing game this week against Tampa, especially if this game shoots out. What are you doing with guys like Diggs and Allen and Beasley and, and, and Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox? I'm down to play him. The total is high. 
Tom Brady's probably going to be bringing the offense on the other side. So you got to think that Buffalo is going to try to get back on track offensively here. We have Josh Allen projected as our top overall quarterback this week. So that tells you that Diggs and Beasley especially are full go. If you want to stack them up with, with Josh Allen, they're second in our top stack value ranking. It gets a little bit more difficult after that because Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis have really been creeping up into that third place role. And so we're seeing some variability outside of Diggs and Beasley, who are typically getting a much larger target share. I'm not going to count the crazy weather game too much towards the overall season trends for this offense, which means Diggs is still by far the best play. But honestly, if you're looking for a value, I think Cole Beasley is the one you want to get to because we're seeing under 8% ownership. His salary of 5K is super easy to get to. It's a super high total game. It's essentially giving you 5K access to this game. And the Tampa Bay defense is not spectacular. They're just around league average and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. So it's really a, it's really a solid situation here. They're, uh, they're a solid offense that needs to bounce back, and they're probably going to be pushed by the opposing offense. I'm going to be getting to a lot of Buffalo Bills. I think that's probably a good idea, and um, I would like to do so as well. You know, didn't they? Did they? Did the Bucks just lose a corner to suspension, a starting corner? Uh, I'll check it right now. Maybe not. Somebody might know. Richard Sherman was cleared to return is what I'm seeing. Um, that's, a, that's a good thing for the Bills. Yeah. <laughs> for the Bills. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, he's probably still okay. They need depth in that, in that uh, secondary. So from that perspective, it's good. Um, but Tampa Bay, honestly, they're giving up points, but it, it has to do with the fact that people have to score to keep up with them. Yep. They're sixth best in the NFL in yards allowed per pass attempt. So that's, I know it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I think a lot of people miss that. Like if Tampa's not scoring a lot, things can get ugly because they're not just going to end up being a sieve, but mm. I'll tell you this much, Matt. That Tampa offense, do you know where, without looking, do you know where they rank in game script adjusted run play percentage? I'm sorry. I have it in my sheet. Okay. 31st. Yeah, they're, they're first. Yeah. Or or they're, 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 they're first I'm in pass adjusted pass rate. You knew what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second, let's do second lowest. Well, at least according to our tools, and maybe I haven't refreshed it. Maybe they're first now since it was last refreshed. Uh, are they? Let's see. Yep, they are. They moved to first. I hadn't refreshed it since we updated it. The lowest game script adjusted run play percentage. So what we're saying is in a neutral game script situation, Tampa is still throwing at the lowest clip in the league. And they run over teams, right? That is insane. You look at last week, Brady threw, what did he throw, 500 times in the first half? It was crazy. <laughs> Seriously, you're going up against the Atlanta Falcons and you just come out slinging. He threw 51 times in that game. We had on Odd Shopper, we had Brady projected. This was like a can't miss according to our Odd Shopper. That's why you got to use this tool. We had we had him well over his completions for, I think he was projected like 24 and a half completions. I'm not kidding when I think he had 
close to that at halftime. I'm serious. <laughs> we had that as a super high expected win rate bet, super high expected ROI bet, and he just murdered it very early on. 38 completions for Tom Brady in that game. We don't have, I don't think we have a prop on that yet. I can't wait to see what it looks like in this game because everyone looks at the Bills as a run funnel defense, you know, and that's going to open up a lot of ownership for for um for for Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see a lot of people play him. Okay, so we don't have a completions one yet. We have passing touchdowns. We have a few things, but we don't have that. We have passing yards 314 and a half for Brady. This is what to me and I've talked about this all week on the first look show on the ownership show really stands out as a potential spot to take advantage of. The Bucks have the second highest top stack probability and Brady's projected for under 6% projected ownership right now. I get it. The Buffalo Bills pass defense is good, okay? I understand all of that. But Tredavious White missing is a huge piece, missing of the puzzle for Buffalo. And if you think that Brady, as Ben would say, and the Bucks are just going to chameleon themselves to adjust for the run funnel nature of this Bills defense, yeah, I think Fournette's in a good spot, but more so because he's getting eight targets a game. Not because I think he's going to get 25 carries. I, if they really are the, such a high leverage stack with low ownership on Brady, you're damn right I will be getting to this passing offense and just assuming that they're good enough to score on any defense. That's where I'm at. Uh, totally agree. I'm loading up on this passing attack. I think we're we're being way too assumptive uh, as a, a collective DFS community. We're already seeing a projected ownership for Leonard Fournette over 21%. I get it. The projection looks good. I get it. Buffalo is easier to beat on the ground. Still, the amount of players, the, I should say it this way, the amount of weak spots you need on your defense for Tom Brady to beat you is one. Is this yeah. because he will find that matchup and he will nitpick it and he will pick it apart until he's unraveled your defense. I'm not saying that is absolutely going to happen, but I'm saying he's well aware of the personnel changes in the Buffalo defense. And he is trying to exploit those weak links or getting ready to right now. I am going to have so much Chris Godwin this week. The man just out targeted the entire NFL by three targets and he's getting 10% less ownership than his teammate in Fortnite. Yep. Come on now. Like, I get it. Buffalo is good. But Tom Brady, Chris Godwin stacks seem like the most appealing stacks right now for tournaments in the entire league. I'll certainly have some some Mike Evans as well. But, I, yeah, this looks like a great, a great moment. I dropped my uh, ear pod there. It looks like a great moment to stack this Tampa Bay offense. <laughs> When you're the when you're like plus 150 to win the MVP, you're averaging 314 passing yards per game. You're averaging, I think he's averaging three passing touchdowns per game. So it's just a 2.8. He's elite, and I will get as much as I possibly can. I don't think Fournette's in a bad spot either, though. Maybe. Can you stack Fournette with Brady? Like Fournette's getting opportunities as a pass catcher inside the red zone. He has receiving touchdowns in back-to-back games. He has target totals of nine, six, eight, and eight over his last four. Is there any merit to doing that to maybe getting super different, but also getting exposure to both phases of this offense? Um, 
I don't feel like expensive. I have to. I don't feel like I have to do it. That feels like I'm getting a half having to get a lot of things right. I want Tom Brady to score a lot of passing touchdowns, and you want two of them to be passes to Fournette, or this team just has so many overall touchdowns against a decent quality defense in Buffalo. That seems like something I don't need to do. Maybe if it's like a single entry tournament, I could do something like that. But in a large field, I'm probably probably not going to do that. I do see someone in chat, W German, kind of calling us out for overweighting single game sample sizes. I think that is a fair a fair critique, and it's possible that Buffalo comes out and keeps things competitive here. But I think that when I'm just looking at the personnel, I'm looking at the matchups. I do think that Buffalo, excuse me, that Tampa Bay has a pretty strong edge, and if their when offense did, is able to do. When did either of us say anything about a single game? <clears throat> Oh, I, I was just referring to like Godwin getting 15 targets, and I, I think that's really what he's saying. Oh no, that was that. before he said that. Before you said any of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So not calling us out, just pointing it out in general. Then it's a, then it's just yeah. a good. That's just a good point, W. German. I, I just want to point out that sometimes many game sample sizes can be misleading too, though. Uh, by the way, W. I don't think you're. I, I think the Bills can win this out, right? Of course. They're one of the most unpredictable teams in the league right now. They're, they're, they're either pretty bad or they still have a potent offense when things when they can, you know, protect Allen and they don't have to rely on the run. But you look at the run defense for this team. They allowed like no rushing yards early in the season, but they faced the Steelers in week one. Steelers, I don't care about Najee Harris. This team has no run blocking. Then Miami, then Washington. Then and, and they crushed them. Washington abandoned the run. Then Houston, okay. Then Kansas City, where they allowed 120. Tennessee, they allowed 146 to Henry. Miami again. Jacksonville, the New York Jets, New Orleans without Alvin Kamara. That was a. They didn't even have Ingram for that game. That was Tony Jones. So yeah, the the few times they faced good running teams, they've been shit on. 222 yards to New England, 264 to Indy, 146 to Tennessee, and 120 to Kansas City. This is not a good run defense. And I can tell you that the smaller sample in that case against good teams speaks volumes uh, as opposed to facing a ton of bad teams that were behind early and have zero run game to speak of. But yep, it doesn't well matter. Said. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Brady's still going to throw the football. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, anything else for do- this uh, team, Matt? Gronk or anything else? Yeah, I'll play Gronk. Absolutely not a fish play. Uh, he's just getting so much work. He's fifth among all tight ends on the slate in expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks, and he's at two fantasy points over expectation. Hey, if you're looking for some relevant sample sizes, obviously there's some different contextualizing you need to do. But for teams, I typically like to look at one game, three game, and whole season sample sizes to give us an idea of where the trends really lie. So I don't want to wait overweight any one of those three. For players, I like to look at six games. That's just, there's, there's some data to back that up and there's some wiggle room there, but just to give that tip out to, to the listeners, I figured I'd throw that out there. No question. Hit that thumbs up one more time. Let's induct these people into the Hall of Fame. We've had some absolute bangers recently, Matt. I'm talking over the weekend, we had a, 100K, we had a, a win that sent my buddy Connor to Miami for the DK Live final. We had just a ton of huge stuff, 40, 50K. 
what is this? I'll tell you. You want to get inducted, you want to get the shout out, get that love. All you got to do is download the Awesomeo profile pic at awesomeo.com slash avatar and tweet us your wins at Awesomeo H-O-F. And if you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, you get a free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. We talked about it earlier. All of the tools created by the number one ranked DFS player, Awesomeo himself, free for every sport the entire month. You pay nothing. But you get that Twitter love as well. You get shouted out here. You get inducted into the Hall of Fame. It means you're here forever. Let's take a look at some of them. Again, download the profile picture. Tweet your wins at Awesomeo HOF. Include Matt and myself while you're at it because we like to see this stuff. Win your free month. Get some love. Mike F., thanks again for all you guys do, Awesomeo. Sorry if I forgot anybody. Look at that win. 50K and $25,000 and $6,000. Ooh, huge, huge week. The only thing here is, and I'm not sure at this point how I am the only one seeing this, but it appears that he superimposed the Awesomeo avatar and somehow nobody caught this. Look at me. <laughs> right now, while I'm doing the fucking segment live. That is like a that is like a C minus Photoshop job. Like you could have done it, man. Who who did this, uh, Jordan? Obviously, it's one of them. <laughs> one of them's upside down, practically. <laughs> it has a rotation problem, right? <laughs> and it's way bigger than. Look, it's covering part of his name. <laughs> I, <laughs> the fact that nobody caught this is a fireable offense, Matt. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm glad he won. I'm I'm almost wondering, did he like did he did he just take a win from somebody else and like Photoshop his name in there too? We don't That'd be hilarious. No, he didn't because his his handle is swiper32 on both Twitter and on and on on the the awesome or on, uh, on and on fan that's or DraftKings. sorry the the funny Thank thing is it's a, look look one of them is actually cut off the the they're all different sizes remarkable stuff that's cool with me though because well bro you got to learn about masking in photoshop i know that's 201 level stuff but like you got to get there i love this You're gonna guy. do this this is I like love ms paint Straight DGAF got on here, just completely passes through unvetted, you know. But anyway, big wins. Shout it out, Awesomeo. So we'll take it. And uh, what he, he walked in, he said, "Don't worry, I'm a professional." Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Tyler Scanlon, thanks to the amazing tools and analysis, had my biggest DFS night by far. Awesome about turning a fun hobby into a legit side hustle. Keep the fantastic content coming. 35,000. That's awesome, man. Oh, this is actually the guy that was underneath someone that we had the other day who binked for like 100 or 50. And I go, oh, that's cool. TS can uh, in. It was Eddie. You're right. Eddie, our oh. boy, Eddie Lie, that uh, a member or uh, he was a founding mm -hmm. member of Awesome. Oh, guy yeah. crushes. He was first. I'm assuming it's T-Scan, actually. Yeah, T-Scan 13, or scans, was right under me. I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, congrats, Tyler. That makes me happy to see. Uh, Bryce Olian, 
Got a little bankroll booster last night in the FanDuel. 25 cent. Missed the first place on that last 80 rebound, but no complaints. No, man. That's a phenomenal ROI. 25 cents in the 250. And here it is. Here it is. Eddie Lai. 100K with the awesome avatar. A legitimate avatar. And then T Skids, 35,000 second place. Right there. First yeah. and second. Awesome. That makes, I mean, that's just huge. And then this one right here, I think that says James T. Second on the Yahoo million dollar baller, fifty thousand dollars. Shout out to all you guys, including you, Swiper32. I I mean gotta love it. Guy just did not care. Tossed it in there. Matt, that could not have it could not have been worse. They're different shapes, they're different sizes, they're lopsided. <clears throat> Amazing. Amazing. I think he I mean he was just like stress testing the system and from a he, QA standpoint, we got we got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, we failed miserably. I'm wondering now, like, is did he did he put his name in there as well? Is that fake too? Like, did, did I also he put, I, lo I love the irony that he's like the villain from Dora the Explorer as well. Like, are we be like swiper? No swiping. Like, are... I don't get that reference, but I'll take your word for it. You don't get it's like a children's show. It's for, it's not even old. That's why I don't that, get it. I mean, I know what Dora the Explorer. A lot of people, is. a lot of people here know what Dora. I know what Dora like the, the, like the fox. It's the weird girl with the backpack. But why? What does Swiper mean? Is that like a he's character? Like the villain. He's like the yeah. He's in every episode. Oh, bro! Like know your Dora. Let's go. Why do you know that? You don't have kids. Why don't? Why don't you? I watched Dora I'm the Explorer with my little sister. I have okay. a sister who's eight years younger than me. We watched all those kids' shows okay. when uh, when she was little. Anyway, congrats to everyone. That was fun. That was fun. See, Heinous One knows what I'm talking about in chat. Thank you, Heinous One. Yeah, I don't know. You're getting backed up from a guy who has Heinous in his name. Isn't exactly a ringing endorsement, Matt. Ah, I'm just kidding. He, Heinous is uh, always in here. San Francisco, Cincinnati, 48 and a half point total. I don't know if Debo's playing and Eli Mitchell is now dealing not only with a concussion, but irritation in his knee. I tell you this much, though, if he plays, Shanahan's going to give him the full workload because that is his guy. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Eli Mitchell. If I'm if he's healthy, I'm I'm playing him. That's that simple. And I think this offense and this game's shootout potential really hinges on one player. And that's Debo Samuel. If Debo Samuel is able to play in this contest, then I don't see why this game can't be one of the highest scoring games on the slate. I can't see why the San Francisco offense can't uh, beat their expectations and may even have a chance to win by more. What is it? They're favored by one point right now. I think they have a chance to beat that spread pretty easily here. I, I was talking to a buddy about the San Francisco offense, and I, he made a great point that... Debo Samuel has kind of taken on that running back two role, that Jeff Wilson 2020 role that was so valuable down the stretch of last season. So to not have a clear second option in the backfield for San Francisco really hurt that team. And Debo's just been phenomenal all over the field this year. If he doesn't play, I'll get to some George Kittle. But honestly, I think it just tamps down my expectations for the entire San Francisco offense. 
especially if Mitchell is hobbled or unable to play here. We just have not seen anything from Jeff Wilson. If they're down Mitchell and Samuel, Kittle can do it. I mean, we saw what great, what a crazy game he's capable of having against Seattle last week, but it's still a tall task to do that twice in a row, even against Cincinnati, just a middling defense in schedule just fantasy points allowed. Actually, they're up to, wow, they're fifth worst in the NFL right now in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. That That's worse than I thought. This is, a, yeah, it's, it's not a bad spot. It's just a matter of who the hell is going to be on the field. I, I don't even know right now. Debo, Mitchell, Mitchell's been so good from an overall volume standpoint that you probably have to consider going back. From a fantasy standpoint, it's kind of been rough, but I, 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 he's still, if you're telling me you get 25 carries, maybe three or four targets, I can get on board with that. But he's dealing with multiple ailments right now, so I'm on the fence. I like Kittle, though. I'll go back, especially if Debo's out. Did you see that catch and run down the sideline for Kittle, a touchdown? There's just no player like him in the NFL. It's that, like I feel like I'm watching a WWE character when he's doing stuff like that. It doesn't feel that was weird. one of the sickest catch and runs I've seen by anybody, man. Him staying in bounds with that balance was amazing. He's so good. I'll happily get to some George Kittle this week. And on the other side, I'm not really sure. Monitor T. Higgins' ankle for, first off. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Mixon's ill. It's not his neck. He's dealing with a, a non-COVID illness, so we'll pay attention to that. He should play. Do you like Cincinnati this week anywhere? High total game, close spread. I do like going to running backs in that situation, especially considering the fact that they're at home. His projection is right in line with salary-based expectations. So, you know, considering the fact that he's 7,700, we got a solid shot at getting a value game here from Joe Mixon, assuming he's in. He's not the only player in the offense that I like, but he is probably my favorite when you compare his projection to salary. Jamar Chase, he's probably going to get more looks because T. Higgins, I think he's not going to play the way that he came off the field last week, still not practicing as of Thursday. He's probably going to get the looks, but uh, it's hard to bet on. And, and he is priced up at 6,900. That's seventh most among all wide receivers. And I still don't think Tyler Boyd, even if Higgins is out, is suddenly going to get the volume like he did in previous seasons. He only has 9.9 DraftKings expected fantasy points per game. That's outside the top 27 receivers. Uh, he's right in line with expectation. And Burrow's finger was going the other direction. It was going the wrong way. That's what I saw on the broadcast, at least. And I, I couldn't believe he stayed in the game, let alone is going to be able to play through it. But I just don't have a ton of faith in what they're actually going to be able to do. It was really swollen, too. I don't know how they also had, like, they had a million close-ups. Like, I felt like they were just able to get just crazy high-definition shots of this pinky just headed yeah, in an entirely different direction than the rest of his hand. I know. That worries me. Team, yeah. <laughs> hey, Taysom Hill has that mallet finger, which is when your finger does this, Matt, but you can't correct it, right? Mm -hmm. And he threw four interceptions in that game. Russell Wilson hurt his finger. He's looked bad. Uh, the finger injury, even if it's your pinky, if you're throwing, if it's on your throwing hand, 
Like that, I still have some concerns. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I don't think this has to be a game where you force in pass catchers from Cincinnati anyway. If T. Higgins is out, that changes things for me a lot, actually. Like I, I would You're go going more to chase. Jamar Chase. What's that? Okay. You would go to Chase. You were I would go saying. to more Jamar Chase for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But as of now, probably not. I do think this Giants-Chargers game is interesting. The Giants, Giants are getting 10 points. They're very bad. Jake Fromm is probably starting. I, I'm serious when I say I, I'm not sure how much we can even talk about this team outside of Saquon Barkley, who will probably be involved in the passing game a lot. But the reason I say that is right now, you have Daniel Jones doubtful, Mike Glennon questionable, Kadarius Tony not practicing questionable. Kenny Galladay not practicing questionable. Sterling Shepard questionable hasn't been playing, but did get some practice in. The whole damn team is hurt. This is the hardest game this week to talk about on Thursday. We're going to know a lot more by Sunday. Joe Judge yesterday, that would be Wednesday if you're listening later in the week, said that he's optimistic Mike Glennon will play. Right now we do have Glennon in our projections. At the very least, Glennon gives them some semblance of the possibility of being just a normal NFL offense in this game where they're 10-point underdogs against the Chargers. You said it. Saquon Barkley is the only player in this depleted skill position core that we really want to focus on. He hasn't looked tremendous. He hasn't looked his typically elusive self since coming back from that ankle injury, but from a volume perspective, we can definitely get to him. His 6K salary is pretty decent when you consider the volume he's going to get in the passing game. I mean, this is just a disaster. Tony's hurt. Galladay's probably out. Shepard's probably out. I, I almost feel bad for whoever's playing quarterback in in New York because they're just so depleted of weaponry. But, you know, 43-point total game, 10-point underdogs. This is not the passing attack you need to prioritize at DFS. I'm actually surprised they have a total at 16.75. I thought it'd be even lower than that. I really did. I really did. With Fromm, it should be. Yeah. 16.75. So you'd be betting probably 17 or 16 and a half, depending on where it is. Uh, Yeah. Let's check Odd Shopper. Let's see what they have the Giants at. Do it. Uh, we can keep rolling as I check it out, but I will. I'm just thinking to myself, this could be, depending on what it is, it could be a, a pretty decent under bet. But ultimately, the only thing I have any even tepid interest in would be Saquon Barkley, because we've seen bad teams produce very good running backs for fantasy purposes, but they have to be heavily involved in the passing game. Otherwise, they get phased out. If Rex Burkett was getting nine targets a game, we would be talking about him this week, but he doesn't. You know, a lot of these guys did, you know, last year you had James Robinson on an awful team, a one win team that got the first overall pick. He was the RB six at the end of the season because he was involved both as a rusher and a pass catcher getting all of the work. Do I think Barkley could be that guy? Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he saw 10 targets in this game, but it'll be pretty obvious that they're going to go to him a lot. I still think he gets around 20 total looks. I don't hate him in tournaments, but this is also a spot that I don't want to get to Barkley if he is relatively popular. And right now he is. If Barkley really is 15%, I'm totally happy getting away from that. 
And I don't think the fact that the Chargers are very good are very awful at run defense, which is true, is all that meaningful on a slate like this where Jake Fromm is at quarterback, unless they get out to an early start and he rips one. But uh, I, I'm good for the most part, outside of maybe a little bit of Barkley. Do you have that? Mm-hmm. Did you pull that up? Yeah, actually, I'm surprised to see that we actually have an expected win percentage of the over 43 points at 65%. So that's actually pretty decent, two-thirds of the time. It goes over 43, and I'm assuming that is including Glennon in the game. But I will say our projections, which I, you know, obviously our our player projections are tied to our team projections somewhat. Our player projections currently include Kadarius Toney, include Kenny Galladay, include Sterling Shepard. I would be very interested to see what the implied total or the projected total for the Giants is when you don't include those players. I still think the under is my instinctual bet here. Me too. Unless the unless it's like 37 to 10. <laughs> But it could happen. I mean, the Chargers are good, but they're also dealing with a lot of uncertainty right now. They are. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Mike Williams is a close contact. I have to think that if he just keeps testing negative, he's fine. Keenan Allen, I don't know if he plays. Apparently, he's vaccinated. Austin Eckler has some bumps and bruises, according to Staley, but it appears that he should be okay as well. It's a pretty good spot for them. They have, last I looked, the highest top stack probability in our top stack tool still have a high leverage still have a positive leverage score despite herbert's projected ownership of almost 13 percent. it's hard to say what to do here this is why you should watch the sunday live before lock and deeper dive shows but what is your what is your instinct what's your gut feel right now on whether or not these guys play because i don't have a good i have no idea if 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 keenan allen's gonna play uh i heard good chance at least on the twitter sphere to play, which indicates to me that they're testing positive or they did test positive, but they're asymptomatic. That is a complete guess, folks. I don't know anything that other people don't, but the, they are leaving the door open to the possibility of all of these players playing as of Thursday, which indicates to me that we are not dealing with a situation like Amari Cooper, who was symptomatic and unvaccinated, where we were like, yeah, we cannot, we can't cap this player in for several weeks. That is, that is distinctly different communication here. So I am actually currently cautiously including them in my personal projections. Right now, the Osmo projections, I think, are playing it a little bit safer, saying that Williams is going to be in, but Allen is going to be out. Obviously, if all these players are a go, this team could roll over the New York Giants. The New York Giants defense is not good, and the Chargers offense is capable of putting up huge numbers in in positive situations Eckler could be the RB1 overall give uh, Alvin Kamara a run for his money in my opinion and if Allen is out and Williams is in like our projections say our projections are going to be super bullish on Mike Williams at that wide receiver 15 salary 6,000 I even look at players like Donald Parham Jared Cook they're they're solid values in that situation if Allen is in, I think I'll just play Keenan Allen, to be honest. A skinny stack with Justin Herbert or Herbert and Eckler, you can absolutely do. I'm definitely going to have some of this team because I think they will roll over the Giants, no matter who the quarterback is. I don't see how they don't. I, I, the only thing I would say, and I, we're, we're, we're coming up on 1 o'clock, is 
if Guyton ends up being chalked, let's say just one of Allen or Williams are out. If both of them are out, totally different situation. If just one of them is out, they still have other options. They have arguably the best pass catching back in the league as well. Guyton would be one of those guys that I, personally in cash, you're going to play him probably. I haven't made lineups yet. In tournaments, if Guyton's the chalk of the week, I am more than willing to make some pivots elsewhere because I think he's the furthest thing from a sure thing in a game like this. I think that's that's fair assessment. All right, Matt, you ready to wrap this up? Oh, what a barn burner to to finish it out. Fun show though, as always. That suit that yeah. that that Photoshop just absolutely made my day. Truly did. Thank but you. But we've Swiper. got Detroit on the road hosted by the denver broncos in altitude nine point dogs in denver and the broncos at this rate hopefully are going to use javante williams more but first of all detroit lions got their first win of the year matt amonra st brown because i don't know what zimmer was doing but it made me very happy i watched all the videos in the locker room dan campbell showing and getting that love it's a feel-good story. Probably won't happen again. They'll probably get smoked this week. But they've played in a lot of close games. Uh, hey, that said, I still don't really want anything from this. De the only thing is DeAndre Swift is very – it looks like he's doubtful. I'm labeling him as doubtful. So I guess Jamal Williams, if this game is somewhat competitive, could be a dart throw in tournaments. But ugly team, ugly game. And Jared Goff right now might have the flu. Yeah, congratulations to Detroit in getting a win. Uh, I'm, it's a moral victory. It's a real victory, I suppose, too. But ultimately, I don't change the projection. That was their Super Bowl, Matt. That was their Super I mean, hey, you know, we've been talking a lot about coaches and their effects on teams in this uh, particular show. And I will say, these players love playing for Dan Campbell. It certainly looks like a better locker room environment uh, than some other teams. And, you know, he certainly... Campbell certainly hasn't lost that locker room if that that footage that you were talking about is to be uh, believed here. But to say that they have a great chance of winning as touchdown underdogs in one of the lowest total games of the entire slate against the Broncos defense, that really is borderline elite, especially against the run. It's really tough to do. Um, I, I guess I guess if you really want to get off the wall, you could play a player like Josh Reynolds or TJ Hawkinson, but I, I definitely don't think you need to get there. Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown is now up to wide receiver 27, 5K in salary, so you're not really getting any sort of massive discount. He's sort of a middling value, and they're just huge underdogs. I just don't really feel like I'm going to get there, especially if Swift is out. Do you like Javante Williams? If... Gordon sits, I do. I love Jamal And so will everyone. He'll be the most popular play on the entire slate for sure. I don't know if I have the guts to start him if not. I probably am wrong about that. If Gordon is active and playing, Javante Williams' underlying metrics are so incredibly impressive. And he was PFF's number one rated back coming into the league in the 2021 draft. And his evaded tackles per touch was among the best in the league. And then he just completely blew up in his first game as a starter. This is a great player in the making. And if he is in and he is the main back, 
he's just going to look fantastic against that running back 15 salary, 5,900. He still has the possibility of getting there as a home favorite if Gordon doesn't play, but you got to reserve him for tournaments in that case. Sutton, Judy, Fant, Patrick. It feels like one of these guys can have themselves a game. I don't really know if I'm trying to, to spin the wheel and see which one I land on, though, this week. The one thing I will say is I was happy to see Cortland Sutton kind of back involved in the offense. He had seen multiple games with over 100 air yards and then was just fading into oblivion here on this team. Finally gets a bunch of air yards last week. Still, the production isn't fantastic by any stretch, but you know, 132 air yards, nine targets. That's the type of workload I want to see for a player like Sutton. So, uh, oh, excuse me, that's a that's a two game sample. Um, but still, he's he's being he's being much more heavily involved here. If we're gonna rank it right now, I still think Judy is the best of these options. 5600 is is something I would pay for against a Detroit defense who has been bad this year in per play efficiency on defense. Noah Fant and Albert O, nah, not really. I don't think I need to get there. Um, their projections are below salary-based expectations, so it's probably going to be Jerry Judy and then maybe some mixing in of Sutton or Tim Patrick. Well, Matt, we've done it. Once again, we've all survived the marathon matchup show right here at awesome.com. And uh, big, <laughs> big, sorry, big Bino. What a way to close out the show. Welcome to Team Awesome, bro. It's a nice looking badge. I'm tired, Matt. <laughs> gotta grab some food. Gotta gotta re-energize, maybe a third cup of coffee. Yeah, I made the mistake last week of not eating at all. And I was like, I gotta eat something, but I didn't have time. So I hadn't eaten all day. And then we get done this show at one Eastern. That's what they call intermittent fasting. For me, it's or Entirely AIF is what it is. What's Accidental that? intermittent fasting. Accidental AIF. intermittent fasting. All the time, bro. Right. AIF, man. But we welcome you guys all the time here to come watch, listen, whatever it be, whatever it is. If you're listening on the podcast, too, hit us with a review and hit that thumbs up before you go. Follow Matt at Draftaholic. I'm about to fall asleep over here. Uh, it's a fun show. I love it. It's just long. Myself at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to our boy Jordan Klein, as always, doing a great job producing this show. Until next time, Matt. Peace. Yes, sir. See ya.